if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And for the start of the year, so for the January month, we'll start with an episode where we will try to uh, help you uh, related to your notified body application. And we call this episode like uh, apply now. So you have to apply as soon as possible to your notified body. And we'll explain you why. And we'll also explain you the different, if I can say, uh, the workflow or the, the different phases for, for doing that. And for that, I have with me a notified body, which is Sud with Pritam Mekala. So Pritam, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to have you, uh, you know, in my schedule here, and it's great to be on your podcast. I've heard amazing things about you, and I've seen what all you've done to the medical device community, which you're currently doing. And I'm extremely um, impressed and, and definitely uh, proud that there's an independent consultant who's doing lots of efforts, answering a lot of questions. So yeah, great to be here. Uh, let's, uh, let's have an exciting discussion. Great. So, um, and as I said, the idea of this discussion is that you are, you will be like giving us some tips maybe or some tricks of uh, how mm -hmm. to make the best application to a notified body. We'll maybe take mm -hmm. some example of TruthSuit, but the idea is to be applicable to uh, all notified bodies if possible. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, the people that are listening to us are understanding mm -hmm. how to approach their notified body, how to work with them and what maybe are the, some, some tricks uh, related to that. So, yeah. but before to start, can you just make an introduction of yourself? And first, where are you mm -hmm. located? Um, I'm physically located in Toronto, Canada, Okay. but I do support the North American business uh, for our TubeSit America division. So um, a little bit about me, I'm a product expert. I joined as a product expert at TubeSit. I've been a product expert for the last three years, and my specific speciality is in cardiovascular devices, non-active medical devices. Um, and so I've been doing that for the longest part of time. And uh, yeah, I, I've had the pleasure of meeting so many, uh, a lot of clients and consultants, so on and so forth. I learn a lot about the industry from a notified body perspective. So that's been my current role. That I'm still working at TIFSID. Previously, I worked in the industry, and um, at, um, namely, at, I worked at Abbott as a project engineer for a COVID testing kit development project. That was a that was one of my uh, proudest accomplishments and I also worked as a process engineer um, actually on their structure structural heart division working on bringing a newest heart valve into European market which we successfully did before that I, I did also work for companies like Medtronic as an operations quality engineer quality engineer and so on and so forth so it's suffice to say that you know I come in with lots of uh, industry experience and I do also have a master's and a bachelor's in engineering as well 
and uh, and I've done uh, lots of research in uh, research and, and specialization in biomedical engineering as well. So from an education front, from a qualification perspective, from, from experience and expertise perspective, I like to think that I do uh, bring in significant amount of it, which has helped me in my current role at TIFSUD a lot. And also, you know, in turn, help the clients as well, because, you know, working with somebody who understands this, I think it's important. So um, before we before we get going, I, I like to uh, throw a disclaimer here. OK, uh, the views and opinions that I share here are within the podcast are solely my views and opinions what I've learned. These are my dialogues and my statements. And these are not the views and opinions. They do not reflect uh, views and opinions of Tufsud or Tips in America or any other entity, um, I wanted to kind of share my experience and what I see personally at Tips, but also at, you know, in general, like you said, applicable to other notified bodies as well. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, you know, like I said, happy to be here. I'm really excited to have this exciting discussion. Hopefully we can help answer some of the burning questions that clients may have, and hopefully we can, you know, hold their hands so they can go past the the finish line and get their first MDR certificates or convert their MDD into MDR certificates. Great. Thank you for, for that introduction, Pritam. And yeah, we understand the disclaimer. And uh, yeah, it's why it's why I said at the beginning, it's not really Tufsud view. It's really everybody. I mean, we try to make it like uh, for, for everybody. Um, I wanted to start our discussion with what happened last year about this extension of the UMDR where normally if there was not this extension, so by the 26th of May, 2024, then we'll have to have uh, everybody moving to EUMDR. But uh, there was some decisions now voted uh, last last year about the extension. So um, what is now, can we have a small summary of this and what is your understanding of this extension for, for the medical device manufacturers? Yeah. So um, I'd like to preface this by saying it's been challenging for everybody involved, right? It's been challenging for us. Uh, from a notified body perspective, it's been challenging for customers or manufacturers as well, and certainly consultants like you as well, right? It's been very challenging to understand the MDR and the transition and whatnot, and certainly having going through a pandemic didn't help either. So there have been a lot of extensions. I think the most recent extension was voted, as you mentioned, in March 2023. And uh, there, are, there are a couple of details or important points to note. And this is public and phrasing information. So anybody listening to this podcast and yourself as well, you can definitely research this and uh, and, and learn or uh, teach yourself this. So basically on, on March 15th of 2023, the European Union extended the EUMDR transition periods. Um, and this extension is for devices transitioning to the EUMDR from the, 2020, the 2024 May 26th deadline. So they extended that transition from 2024 and the extension was was in different segments based on the classification of the device. So first and foremost, the high risk class devices, you know, your class threes, you know, namely your heart valves, your neuro devices, and so on and so forth, they have been extended to 26th of May, 2026, and for um, class three, class threes and implantables and class two B devices. They have extended until 31st of December, 2027. And for non-implantable class 2B and lower risk devices, they've been extended to 30, 31 December, 2028. And last but not the least, all the class one devices, they've been extended to 31st December, 2028. So as a summary, right, they've been extended from 2024 to 2026, 2027, and 2028, based on your classification of the device and the risk profile of your device and that nature. 
Um, and they also did another announcement as well. The EU also removed its 12-month sell-off provision yeah. uh, during the non the, for the non-transitioning medical devices that comply with the EU MBD. Um, they said that they may now be supplied in the EU after May 2025 until the stock is depleted. I think that I think that allows the customers and the manufacturers to take the sigh of relief because there might be a lot of medical devices which are perfectly fine. Right, just because your MDD certification is expiring or the extension is expiring, you may run into risk of decommissioning those devices, which, quite honestly, is is um, is a lose lose situation for both the industry as well as the the clients who are supposed to receive as well. So that was another big um, uh, big announcement, which I was particularly happy about, so that yeah, I yeah. don't have to put customers and manufacturers meet, at, meet. at the stress. Me, me too, because um, I find this decision to stop everything by that date was not fair. Uh, because uh, for me, as soon as the product is placed on the market, there is no possibility normally to retrieve that. Because at the moment it was placed on the market, it was compliant to the legislation. So at the end, why should we now stop it? And uh, I don't know also, to be honest, how they would have been able uh, to uh, control that how they would have been able to control every distributor, every importer to verify that what they are yeah. saying is not that. So it's, it's, it was a bit weird to, to, to see that thing, but, but it's good to. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with you. And I think let's, let's go one step further, right? Yeah. We're talking about all these things, you know, like the, the logistics, uh, uh, you know, as well, but the more important thing is risk, right? Risk factor. So inherently there's no risk factor. Just yeah, because exactly. of the fact that, you know, the expiration, the certificate is expired. So, you know, if you ask me as an engineer who's always been problem solving and trying to understand the risk uh, profile of, of something that's happening, I couldn't see any risk that was that was alluded that you have to take the device out after your certification has expired or the transition period has expired, right? So like you, I share the same sentiment and I thought it was completely unfair, right? So depending upon how big your organization is, the task alone is going to be very, very uh, large as well. So. I thought with this announcement, I think everybody could take a sigh of relief. Like yeah. you don't have to make sure that the manufacturers have to do that. And the manufacturers have, don't have to do additional work as well, which like I said, quite frankly, has no additional risks to the existing devices. Right. Exactly. So that's, that's the important part. So I think uh, thing to, an, well, one last thing I do, I do also want to mention is that, um, you know, for um, the, the one last bit of the announcement was that, you know, obviously the MDD um, certificates, even though they expire, right, during the transition period, they can still be, you know, they can still uh, be valid. And as long as two conditions are met, right? The first condition is you have to apply for MDR certificates with an MDR notified body, right? By 26th of May, 2024. Yeah. You know, we've been, when, I, when we were in 2021, we're like 2024 is going it's, to come. It's far away, exactly. Now, far away from now. But we're in 2024. Happy New Year's, by the way, to you exactly. and all the other listeners. But 2024 is here. Right. And it's already mid-January and we're going to the May is going to uh, May. The deadline of May is, is fast approaching as well. So I want everybody here, listeners, to know that 26th of May 2024 is is a critical deadline. Right. If you have legacy MDD products, you have to have an application put in with a notified body by that deadline. I think it's really important. I think the other thing, too, is that it's it's not it's it's imperative that you also have to have a signed contract as well. 
right? You could do, you could put in the application with us or several other notified bodies, but that's not it, right? You actually have to have some sort of a contract. Contract kind of establishes what's the work, what's the scope of the project, and, and perhaps they will list the MDD certificate affected products and whatnot. I think that's the key part of it. So put in uh, your application by 26th of May, 2024, and have a contract in place by 26th of September, 2024. These are the very critical deadlines. I, I, the first thing I wake up in the morning, I always tell myself, these are the deadlines. Don't, don't forget these numbers. And, and, you know, it has to come with second nature because we don't want to put any devices or any companies out there at risk. Exactly. And um, one thing that is important also is about the fact that you apply, but it's not the date where you will be audited. So many, you will still have some. So when should they contact a notified body? Mm -hmm. Should they wait to have their technical file and everything ready uh, to, to be audited? Or they can contact you now, for example, today and say, I want to be audited maybe in September 2026 uh, because I have yeah. uh, still some time there. Yeah, I think, I think the critical thing that we have to remember is that for legacy devices, right? For MDD legacy devices, you have to have an app, an application put in and a contract. Those are the only critical things, right? And that allows you to take leverage of the transition period and then post expiration period where you can still sell the products and still market the products. Now, that doesn't mean that the audit has to happen by September, 2024, right? When you have a contract in place, a notified body like us, we discuss what is the timeline of submissions and when we would have when we would anticipate to have your audit and when we would anticipate to have your technical documentation review so those are the things that will be discussed in the actual contract um and 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 once you understand the deadlines and understand the timelines and you're okay with that and then you sign the contract right so you potentially and this is a hypothetical situation so somebody could put in their application by 20, May 2024, and then they could have a contract by September 2024, and they could have an audit, like you said, in 2026 or 2027, right? But I'd like the, the manufacturers to understand how long that, that process will take so, so that you don't run into risk of expiration or, or going past your, you know, your, your extension period and not still having an MDR certificate. So I would say I would encourage manufacturers to do a retrospective analysis of their, of their timelines and then and basically build that into the discussion when we have this contract, you know, contract discussion and contract signing as well. So that's really important. So to go into your question, when should you contact us? ASAP, right? That, that That's the nature of the game as soon as possible. I'm sure everybody has now looked at the latest MDCG guidance document. That is MDCG 2022-11, revision one. Yeah. And the title, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote exactly what the title is. Notice to manufacturers and notified bodies to ensure timely compliance of MDR and IVDR requirements, right? The, the first topic is reinforced message to the manufacturers to apply for regulation certifications without further delay. And the second aspect, of course, is significant is a new section to call out the notified bodies to streamline the certification process. So I can tell you from a notified body perspective, we've been doing ex exceptional work and really hard work uh, to be able to streamline that process. But we would encourage the manufacturers to do the same and to take that with urgency. So we would say apply ASAP today if you can, right? And if you don't have, if you if you do not have technical documentation, technical documentation ready, you can certainly discuss that aspect of it. But please don't delay having that earlier discussion with the notified body, putting that application in, signing that contract. Please don't delay that. 
Exactly. And uh, just my personal story. So yesterday we received a, an email from um, one of our customers that uh, finally got certified for EUMDR. And yeah. uh, it was a long project because then I talked with my team. I said, oh, when did we start this project? Because it looks like it was... Uh... <laughs> and we started two years ago. So it was like, yeah. wow, two years? So we started two yeah. years ago. We started to make the application. I mean, to first to create all the documentation. We send the application. We send the, the, the documentation. And there was... a three rounds i think of uh question and answer etc and mm -hmm. finally yesterday we have the, the 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 go so yes it's not like an overnight thing so it's it can take one year one year and a half two years it depends on your products and and, uh, and the timeline mm -hmm. so don't go for as you've said for maybe having the audit in 2027 if the deadline is the 31st of december 2027 so it's many many also that that you have to look backward and make the full planning and everything because this is a lengthy process where also, the, your notified body, you have to organize some resources. So it's not like you have everybody on site already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think I think the critical thing here to mention is that I believe a lot of manufacturers are probably in a, in a dilemma thinking that unless we have, unless we're ready, right? Unless we are close to being 100% ready, having an earlier discussion with a notified body is kind of a moot point. It's probably what they're thinking. And I would say that is a, a, a false premise and I would encourage people to have that discussion early on discussion with uh, with the notified bodies as early as you can as quickly as you can even though uh, your actual project may not start until 2026 or two years from now and and I think the one thing I wanted to highlight is the fact that um, EUMDR actually has 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 told notified bodies to have a dialogue or a platform to be able to have a dialogue and and I'm happy to I'm happy to uh, disclose that Toasted has already planned and released a platform called Structured uh, Structured Dialogue. And a lot of clients, even though you're not working with us, even though you don't have a contract, even though you don't have an application in, you can still contact and have a discussion uh, about your timelines, about your, about your regulatory strategy, and so on and so forth in that platform, Structured Dialogue. And I think that kind of gives you that early on access to be able to have a discussion with the notified body, even though your documentation are still not ready yet. Exactly. Because, yeah, we have a lot of uh, misunderstanding with the manufacturer. They think that everything should be ready before we send the application because they think that with the application, we have to send maybe some documents to prove that you are ready or whatever, but which mm -hmm. is not really the case. So you can apply and then send and discuss, as you've said, open the discussion and then you can explain the timeline that is preferable. And maybe, yes, at the end, the notified body will say, no, it's not possible to do it at that time because we have a restri restriction in the resources. But it's a discussion that is that is open for 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 that. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Well, well, you know, there's a couple other things too you can discuss with a notified body. You can also discuss the pace of the review as well, right? So a standard review timeline could be perhaps longer for some devices and some uh, businesses and whatnot. But perhaps you can you can definitely pursue a faster timeline. You can do an expedited timeline. You can do a dedicated timeline, and so on and so forth. Uh, we certainly offer that, and I'm sure other notified bodies do as well. So I would say like. You know, definitely ask those questions. Uh, definitely, uh, and and it starts with engaging with the notified bodies first, right? And then start asking those questions, and and you know, and then just working through the hurdles one by one by one, working through the hurdles. Yeah. So just maybe uh, bring us behind the curtain here in terms of notified body. So I call you, I give you an application, I call you everything. So what is happening behind the curtain? So are you, do you have like uh, the 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 white pages of uh, the notified body auditors, and then you are starting to negotiate with them who is available, how it's working, what is the timeline, everything? How is how is working if I 
if I need to organize this audit so that you can promise me to have like uh, the right timeline for this audit? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good question. So um, behind the curtains, right? So what we do is when, a, when the first thing we see is an, an interest for MDR certification uh, from one of our new clients or maybe a legacy device and whatnot. Um, so once we get that, we uh, personally, me, I, I try to organize a meeting with the client to understand what their device is. And I think understanding the device, it, it definitely like, you know, prepares us to be able to handle the device in the best case possible in the best case scenario. And once we have that preliminary discussion, we like to receive an application with uh, all your information in there and perhaps, you know, name of the medical device or legacy many manufacturer information and so on and so forth. Once we get all those information, what we like to do is we send to you a quote and, and that list, all these things, that list, um, your timelines and, and what's included in our service and whatnot. And then, and then we can certainly discuss, like I said, the timelines and the schedules for that specific project. And once we send that to the client, the client has, you know, uh, um, the time to review that. We give them about 90 days from our early quotation to be able to have that internal discussion and reach out to us if they want to move forward with us or not. And once that happens, we actually have a team called Special Operations Team. So what they do is they take the potential clients who have confirmed and signed a contract with us and and then they actually define the project and defining the project has a lot of components you actually define the project into our user interface into our system and and you plan the project with personnel with schedules with uh with the with the, with the whole skeletal structure that is required for that project that's what happens and and once you are uh, once you are going through that phase, you the timelines will be more and more defined and clear. Of course, we're gonna communicate with the client, asking them if they're available for a certain period in the year, maybe perhaps first week of May, second week of May, so on and so forth. And certainly have that open discussion with the client to be able to find the optimal time when they have all the resources available at their facility and also all the resources available at our at our place as well. When it comes to planning the auditors. We, we certainly look at a couple of different things. We first and foremost, we look at who is the best possible auditor to be, to be able to audit this medical device because that's imperative, right? So we our, our, our critical uh, list starts from, is that auditor capable and authorized to do the assessment on that specific medical device? And after that, we look at a couple of different items. It could be perhaps, you know, like availability. It could be perhaps uh, the region of the availability of the auditor and so on and so forth. So we look at several other things and we certainly try to do our best possible to give you the best auditor who has that expertise and knowledge and who's authorized and also the best possible travel route that the auditor could travel to the physical location of the auditor so that we could do that in the most efficient way possible. So yeah, that's what, that's what goes on. So if, if, uh, if, for example, they ask you to go to audit somebody in, I don't know, in the Philippines, for example, and uh, you don't have an office there, so you have somebody, mm -hmm. you, you are trying to see who is closer and can go and has the ability that has the MDR code also, and that can go then to audit. Hey, just a second. Do you need an EU, Swiss, or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. Yeah, you know, you, you can you can certainly um, ask these questions. Perhaps you know you can even pursue a remote audit as well. Again, this depends upon a lot of a lot of situations. What I would say is. Um, if, if there's if in this hypothetical scenario, if there's an uh, if there's a client in Philippines, right? Um, if the best possible auditor is in North America, we try to send that auditor, right? Okay. But but if if situations permit, 
we definitely can do a remote audit for part of the audit because audit does come with stage one and stage two, right? Two different uh, stages. So we could do part of the audit remotely, part of the audit on site, or maybe there's an auditor in, because Tucson is such a multinational company. We have auditors everywhere. We have a very healthy auditing group in India and, and, and Asia as well and Japan. Um, so I'm sure there's some auditors over there. We definitely reach out to our sister divisions to identify if there's a best possible auditor there. Uh, in the interest of having the the travel timeline reduced and whatnot so we do we do proceed that as well uh, if all those fails right you can definitely do like i said an expedited uh, project as well or you could do a remote possibility of an audit for part for part of the audit once you do have that discussion with your project handler and you have that discussion with our with us as Tilson. So uh, you talked before about uh, sending the quote to um, to the people. So when they see this big number, so do they have yeah. to pay <laughs> this number yeah. immediately, or what is the what is the rule here? Because I know some customer yeah. when they receive this quote, it's like, wow, this is what I have to pay. It's a lot. So yeah. what what is the rule here in terms of payments? Yeah, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of ways that we pursue um, the payment. Um, so the one pay one way could be a pre-made payment. Some of the organizations are not, you know, concerned with the prepaying for a project. Some people are okay with that. And in some situations, we we do ask for a prepayment, and depending upon the size of the client, depending upon uh, several other characteristics, right? And for larger clients, we do uh, partial payments as well. So we can even definitely discuss about that. Um, and I think uh, the most the, the 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 route we perceive mostly is for most of our legacy clients, but we do uh, we invoice after the completion of the project and the audit. So, um, so the numbers to the code we give is usually, I would say about 90 to 95% accurate to the, to the final quote, the final quote, not necessarily going to be more, perhaps it could be less, you know, but the Delta is about five or 10%. Uh, we try to hit that in the, in the preliminary code as, as, as close as possible. So yeah, um, you know, sometimes that, that would require a prepayment. Sometimes, you know, it would require a partial payment or. Um, in most cases, we do an, a payment invoice of a payment after the, the actual project is concluded and is completed. So, and obviously those discussions, right? You can definitely have those discussions. There's platform like Structure Dialogue and, and during the contract signing and whatnot, you can definitely have, have those discussions. And there's plenty of opportunities to discuss that. It's not going to be, this is what, you, what we give you and you have to pay that and there's no questions asked. No, please ask us questions and help us understand What is your financial situation? What is your strategy? So we can both meet in the middle and perhaps choose the best way possible for both of us. Okay, no, I think it's a, a great and, and fair idea. Um, in terms of clinical, um, so we know that with the UMDR, one of the most important topic actually is clinical data. Yeah. Uh, we know that a lot of manufacturers were um, already having their products on the market under MDD. Um, so meaning their clinical data should have been fine, but suddenly they arrive to MDR and their clinical data is not good enough anymore. So is there a possibility also to, as you talked about this structured discussion, so is there a possibility also to maybe discuss with you about this clinical data before we are really sending you the final technical file, final clinical evaluation? Absolutely. I think, I think structured dialogue is the best possible way because when you get into the nitty gritty of those clinical data set, that becomes more so... Um, an actual review, right? And, or perhaps we could, uh, you know, it, it would go into the lines of consultation. So which obviously notified bodies are not allowed to do that. So I think, I think uh, the best possible route that uh, clients would have is to pursue the path of structured dialogue. 
and clinical uh, clinical discussions and clinical topic has certainly been the most requested by a lot of clients and we've done multitude of structured dialogues already so we have we have our experts based in Europe based in North America based in Asia that we can certainly tap into to have that structured dialogue discussion with any of our clients that are interested in having that discussion i think i think it, uh, the, the best thing we do is to educate the client how we interpret the regulations exactly right and once you take that you know you can skin a cat in in, in a multitude of ways right but we're going to leave that up to your discretion and and but we're going we can, we can definitely help you understand what our interpretation is from regulation what we see and once you understand that i feel like that will make the client and the customer more empowered to be able to make those decisions and whatnot. And in in the structured dialogue, right? The topics, um, and I can list out a couple of topics that 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 we would discuss, but these are not defined or confined to these things. We can certainly talk about regulations and any of the latest updates we have on that specific topic, right? I can talk about the procedures as well um, and any application uh, and all the regular regulatory strategy for that. Considering that specific topic, we can talk about schedules and timelines as well. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's certain clients out there that clinical studies are still happening. They're doing uh, ID, ID studies and whatnot. So whatever that might be, right? They're doing perhaps um, non-European studies or non-European, non-US studies and so on and so forth. Whatever that might be, we can certainly talk about the schedules and the timelines when that data could be available and when it would be best for them to actually, you know, like bring in a project and whatnot. We can definitely talk about submission strategy as well. So these are just like few topics we can talk about. But I think the, the big thing to note is unlike things in the past, notified body is not going to sit there without the giving the opportunity to talk with us. We are going to give you the top opportunity to talk with us. And in fact, have a discussion with us so that you could choose the best path forward uh, in clinical data sets or regulatory mm -hmm. strategies or having an audit or planning for your, you know, upcoming expiration of the certificates and so on and so forth. Yeah. So uh, can we say that this is applicable for any notified body or it's just you has build, build that mainly? So it is applicable for any notified body. And again, if you look at your latest or one of the latest uh, MDCG guidance documents, which is MDCG 2022-14. Uh, when it was established, uh, it specifically talked about structured dialogues being offered uh, or shall be offered by notified bodies. So this is across the board and regulations have already said that notified bodies have to do this or at least have to provide the service for the clients. But again, certainly it's at the client's discretion to be able to use that strategy or not use that platform or not, there might be legacy uh, organizations who are very knowledgeable, right? And who don't necessarily have to use this platform, but there are probably some some people who may have to use that. Certainly with the change of MDD to MDR, a lot of people are in a, in a dilemma and in, in, in a phase that they don't understand a lot of these things that I think, I think, um, I think everybody should use the opportunity there. Um, you know, like there's, it doesn't hurt to educate yourself a little bit more, right? So yeah, to answer your question, this is, um, this is a, a rule for all notified bodies that has laid down by EU regulations. So it's not just a TIFSUD idea, but I can tell you proudly that TIFSUD was one of the notified bodies who have actually rolled out this program first and foremost before anybody else out there. So we have the structure, we have the, the people, the, the experts ready to engage in that discussion at a moment's notice. Great. And uh, just maybe 
to compare to what is happening in the US. Um, can we say this structured dialogue is comparable? I'm not sure it's the same, but as the Q sub or pre sub for 510k, for example? Um, it, it would be, yes. Um, but I think you know discussions would 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 differ based on the topic as well, right? Um, but I think but I think it is along the lines of that. Um, you know, obviously people have seen um, you know FDA has been a little bit more uh, communication friendly, and uh, and EUMDR has been a little bit more communication restrictive. But we definitely want to change that into more open communication. We definitely want to want to you know want to accept or, or or take in some of these things FDA does best. And definitely, it, it is it is comparable. Yeah. Great. Um, I had uh, some questions from some people that asked me. Uh, mm -hmm. um, we want to apply, but I still don't have a PRRC actually. Yeah. So, um, should they have a PRC at the application, or should they have the PRC before certification, or when is the time mm -hmm. for them to have a PRRC mainly? So um, for some of the audience that may not familiar, be, be familiar with PRRC, let's just go through what PRRC is actually, yeah, exactly. uh, actually is, right? So um, so PRRC, the person responsible for regulatory compliance, as in PRRC, the role of PRRC is mandated by Article 15, both by UMDR and IVDR. So it is applicable for both MDR and IVDR situations. And these regulations require all manufacturers, right? They are there who are pursuing an MDR, IVDR certifications have an authorized representative to, uh, and all the other authorized representatives to have a designated employee, right? A designated employee within the organization who is responsible for regulatory compliance with the with the applicable standards, if that's MDR, IVDR still. So have a dedicated employee, right? Um, so a couple of things to, to keep in note that you can have more than one PRRC. Depending yeah. on the size of the organization, you can have more than one, but the regulation says at least one. PRRC. So that's that's very, very um, important point to note. And the other thing too is that the PRRC does not replace an, a European authorized representative. Yeah. So the EC rep, right, the EU rep is completely different from PRRC, as in there might be some roles which are probably similar, but there are some specific roles to PRRC. So just having an EC rep or EU rep is not enough or doesn't comply to having the PRRC. Right. Exactly. That's, I that's mean, it's good that you are saying that because I have some customers that when I say, oh, yes, we have a PRC at Easy Medical Device, uh, so it's fine. Also, oh, then it's fine. I don't need to have one. I say, no, no, you also have to have a PRC within your, your company as, as a manufacturer. So, yeah, it's two PRC, one with the manufacturer and one with the authorized representative if they are located outside outside of Europe. But it's a exactly. good, good point yeah. here to, to add. Absolutely. That, that's the critical point uh, that you just hit on in there. So, for manufacturers that are located outside the EU, right, they must it's assumed that the PRC should be located outside the EU as well. On the other hand, if the manufacturer is located in the EU, it is also assumed that the PRC is located within the EU as well. So I agree with you what you said. I think that that's the right answer in that in that in that in that uh, topic right there is that having an EC rep doesn't necessarily qualify for you to comply with that uh, the PRC requirement standard. Um, you could you know we we've seen this in the industry right. An individual can have two different titles right, but I think the job descriptions are pretty unique and they have to understand that. Then you have to lay that down uh, for PRRC and EC rep. Yeah. Great. Um, so um, I have also other questions from some manufacturers that ask me mainly, uh, I want to move from one notified body to another. So um, is this something that is easy to do or what, what do you suggest in terms of moving from one to the other? Yeah. I would say, you know, it a famous uh, famous answer, right? Um, it depends, right? So I, I wouldn't say nothing is easy, 
Um, it is definitely worth a discussion. But I can tell you that path we laid down here at Chipsud, we can we certainly made the procedure or the process to be able to follow easily, right? From the inception when a client reaches out to us and asks us questions saying, hey, we're interested in pursuing you as a notified body and we're letting go and forgoing our existing notified body and whatnot. So once we have that interest from a, from a customer and a client, internally at least we have made our processes more efficient and created a pathway so we could take that on just like we would take in any client, right? So there's a couple of topics um, I would I would like to mention when a customer is coming from a transfer perspective versus yep. a new client perspective. Um, first and foremost, like I said, collaborate with us, you know, have that discussion first and foremost, right? And uh, and once you have that, um, you can complete the application, the Chipset application, and our experts will perform the actual review of the documentation. This may include the onsite visits as well. And after everything's done, we can, you know, after the successful positive outcome of the project, Chipset then will issue the new certificate, right? And we certainly also provide platforms where, we're, where we can engage with your existing notified bodies as well to be able to have that discussion and, and, and have the data exchange for existing um, you know, projects or existing certificates and so on and so forth. So we certainly have the processes. We certainly have the attitude um, to be able to make that pathway as simply as possible. We certainly are, are doing our best to play nice with the other notified bodies as well to, to open up that engage, uh, discussion uh, because, you know, certainly uh, our, our industry is quite small, right? If somebody's transferring to us, there might be a situation where somebody's transferring from us, right? So we, we, try to pre- we try to create that cordial relationship with the other notified bodies to be able to make that transfer process as efficiently as possible as well. So I personally have been participated, I've participated in, 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 a, in a notified body transfer myself, and I can tell you all of these things are happening. But right from engaging with the customer and engaging with their existing notified body and actually doing uh, transfer of the documentation and certificates as well, all of those things had happened. You know, at the end of the day, the client and the customer was was extremely satisfied and happy. And I think that's what we're going for, right? And no devices were were put at risk, right? Yeah. So so that's the that's the goal of it. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I mean, uh, for me, that is in the other side that is listening to what customers are asking, etc. They are all afraid to say. I want to move to another notified body, but I w- don't want to say my my actual notified body that I will be moving because I'm afraid that he will be mad at me and maybe make it difficult, etc. So, what would you say to those people that are thinking of like there is there can be a drama out of it? Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, we're all here to do work, right? Uh, this is our. This is uh, you know, we have to keep our emotions aside and we actually have to do what's best for the organization and best for the device. So let's say, let's take a hypothetical situation where the existing notified body does not have appropriate authorized auditors or authorized reviewers to be able to provide you the best service possible. It doesn't hurt you as a manufacturer to be able to seek out a person or the notified body that can provide you that, right? So I think I think understanding what's at what's at risk here, understanding what's at stake here, um, it's really important. So if you as a manufacturer has identified that the current notified body and the services that they're providing is not the best, or at least to your satisfaction, you have the liberty to go do that, right? Because we don't want anybody signing up with Tilsud or any other notified bodies. We don't want to put that pressure on a company or a client that, that, that thinks just because you signed with us, you're stuck with us for the rest of your eternity, right? No, hold us accountable, ask us questions. But if, we're, if we don't provide you a satisfactory service, you're more than welcome to, you know, leave us, depart us 
are more than welcome to depart other notified bodies and pursue notified bodies that may be able to service you better. So I would say, you know, take the emotions out of that, out of that question, right out of that picture <clears throat> and ask yourself that question. Am I getting the best possible service? Am I getting the best customer satisfaction? If I'm not right, am, am, are my devices being assessed appropriately? If you're not, I would say do not hesitate to have that discussion with your not existing notified body and the potential new notified bodies so that you are more satisfied with the services that you're receiving. Because at the end of the day, this is not a free service. You know, you are paying for that service. Exactly. So your satisfaction is, is very important, right? So if you're not satisfied with any of the services that are provided, please seek out a better, better notified body. Great. And um, if now they choose to go to ChiefSuite, so where they can do the application and everything. So is there a specific place where they have to go or if they want to contact anybody at ChiefSuite? So what is the process yeah. here? So um, definitely email me, right? <clears throat> uh, that would be my first name, that last name at tufsud.com. Or you can you can message me, you can send me a direct message on LinkedIn as well. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I check my LinkedIn multiple times in a day and whatnot. I have engaging discussions with potential clients, new clients, existing clients all the time. So I do definitely use that platform as well. So I would say email and LinkedIn are the best possible sources for me. Uh, sources to contact me. Um, but he here's one, one thing I want to highlight. When you do contact, right, personally me, this is what I offer. So if you ask me the question, what makes you different? How can you help my audience, right? So I unequivocally can say that I personally, I pledge to provide 30 minutes of my time anytime you want, right? So if you want to just engage in a discussion to understand what is TIFSUD and what other services we provide, are we even the right fit? And whatever that is, even before you pull the plug and send the application, I promise you 30 minutes of my time, whenever feasible for you, I'll make myself available, right? And on top of that, I can give you a budgetary quote as well, right? So that way you can see that the budgetary quote is usually has a faster turnaround, faster, uh, faster, you know, I, I could perhaps give you a budgetary quote within a span of a day or two, maybe even in a week or whatnot. So you can at least put your eyes on what it may cost and what the schedules are like and whatnot. That also I can promise, right? And on top of that, if you do decide to go with us, right, I can also provide you a technical documentation guidance document. So for any of the clients who've never had an MDD or MDR certificate, right? So if they're wondering, if they're thinking that, oh my God, creating the technical documentation is an effort on its own, guess what? I can provide you a guidance document that is released within TIFF to all of our potential clients free of cost, right? I can give you that. You can certainly, um, you can certainly that's a template and you can certainly use that template to build your own technical documentation. That will expedite your, your readiness of your technical documentation. To, to sum it up, right, I can give you 30 minutes of my time anytime. I will make myself available. I can give you a free budgetary quotation, right, No, um, with no expectations or whatever that is. And finally, last but not the least, I can give you the guidance document that will expedite creating your technical documentation in, in a tenth of your time. I promise. Yes. I've seen right. it. Trust me, um, you're, you're going to save so much of your time. Great. So uh, if you hear that and you don't call Pritam, it's, uh, I don't know <laughs> what will happen. I mean, your speech is great. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. It will be great. And yeah, so um, uh, the, the idea is mainly that uh, you you are really uh, helping uh, the, the customer. And it's what I liked here. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose that a lot of customers are really 
sometimes desperate because they contact notified bodies and nobody is yeah. calling them, etc. So now you have the email of Pritam and you have, uh, yeah. I will put anyone on the show notes, the, yeah. the LinkedIn page. So don't hesitate to contact Pritam and to try yeah. to get... And then uh, one more thing, uh, my LinkedIn also has a contact info information. I've actually linked in my, my uh, work mobile number as well. You can certainly use that to call me. I've had clients call me out of the whim. I'll answer the phone calls as well. So email is not the only way. If you if you want more direct and immediate response from me, call myself as well. So they are all on LinkedIn. Uh, but if you'd rather want to send me an email, please do that. And when I respond back, I will send you, uh, you will see my signature. And my, in my signature, you'll have my email um, and my cell phone as well. Yeah. Great. So don't hesitate to go to the show notes and to uh, take all the information from Pritam. Maybe you don't need that now, but maybe you will need that later. So don't hesitate also to uh, to contact him later. Okay, Pritam. So it was really great. Thank you again for all the information. I think it was helpful, as I said, to understand more of the situation of notified bodies suit, but also other notified bodies, uh, and yeah. then also to guide people on why they should be applying now. Because as we said, we call this episode "Apply Now to Your Notified Body" yeah. mainly. So don't hesitate to uh, to work uh, work with um, with uh, the notified body uh, immediately and not wait uh, until you get ready or until yeah. you have all the documentation. Okay, every time. So thank you again, and I wish you a nice day. Thank you so much. You know, pleasure being here, and I, I wish you the best yourself. Uh, year and I also wish all your audience a very happy new year's a successful 2024 and, and a faster MBR and IVR certification exactly <laughs> thank you everyone so bye Monier Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market.